1: Good afternoon and welcome to soul to soul wonderful to spend time with you on Wednesday afternoon. Today is the 24th of Elul, which means that we're very close to Rosh Hashanah. Only a few shorter days and we will be at the very important day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, As I'm sure you're aware, Rosh Hashanah begins on Monday night, this coming Monday night, the 6th of September. Rosh Hashanah is then this, this Monday night, the 6th, Tuesday the 7th. And Rosh Hashanah ends at, at, when the stars come out on Wednesday, the 8th of September. Rosh Hashanah comes out at 6.30, 30 um, here in Johannesburg on Wednesday. So it's a week away, you know, it's less than a week away. And I think it's very important that we discuss the significance, the relevance, the meaning of Rosh Hashanah. Um, and then we'll get to the day. Today's the 24th of Elul and I'm very excited. ...to speak to you about the Chofetz Chaim. Today is the yacht site of the Chofetz Chaim. The great Rabbi Shomir Kagan died on this day in the year 1933. So at the end we'll discuss who the Chofetz Chaim was... ...and what his incredible impact was on the Jewish world. But let's first start out with Rosh Hashanah. And let's try and understand with a little bit of depth... ...what is going on over here. What's so significant and important. Um, of course we know as Jews that our festivals are not just, you know, parties... They're not just holidays which don't have much meaning and depth. Uh, on the contrary, each of the Jewish holidays is very, very powerful, and each of the Jewish holidays has within it an ingredient that is essential for our spiritual development and growth. And each year, that energy is powerful and is present, and we are supposed to tap into that energy um, uh, with regards to the respective yomim tovim that we're going through. So, what is Rosh Hashanah about? What is the story with Rosh Hashanah? As we know, Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Chava, of the first two human beings that were created in the world. And on this day of Rosh Hashanah, they were judged. And on this day of Rosh Hashanah, um, they were vindicated to some degree of their judgment. And therefore, every year, every Rosh Hashanah, the first of Tishrei, every year, Hashem judges the entire world. And so on the one hand, there's actually an interesting contradiction when it comes to what we call a stira in Hebrew. Contradiction with regards to Rosh Hashanah. On the one hand, it's this awesome day of judgment. And we all know how precarious our situation is, how fragile human life is. Unfortunately, through the pandemic, we've seen how delicate it all is. And the finest um, nuance can tip the scales. And life is very precious, and life could turn very quickly. And these, so therefore we're aware of that. And Hashem is looking at all of us, and Hashem is looking at the world. And the next year, and what will be in the next year, is being decided upon on Rosh Hashanah, the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah, which is a very frightening thought, a very scary thought. And if we don't feel and sense that reality, so we live in a fantasy world, we're not in touch with reality that is what's going on on Rosh Hashanah. So on the one hand, it is frightening. But on the other hand, we're instructed to be basimcha, to have joy, to celebrate on Rosh Hashanah. So doesn't that seem to be out of place? Doesn't that seem to be in contradiction to the theme and the reality of the judgment that's taking place on Rosh Hashanah? There's a famous verse in Nehemiah, Nehemiah the prophet. Nehemiah said, he saw that the Jewish people in Rosh Hashanah were downed and were, and were sad. And he said to them, "Lachu shamanim, go and eat your delicious meats. Shasu and go drink your sweet drinks. Because this is a holy day to our master, to Hashem. Because your endearing relationship with Hashem, that is your strength. In other words, although we are aware of the emas hadin, of the severity of the judgment that is held over us on Rosh Hashanah. But still, nonetheless, we must celebrate and rejoice. And our closeness and connection to Hashem, that is our strength. That is our source of strength. So how do we understand these two um, seemingly contradictory concepts? Uh, And to add to that, we know that the the Vulnagon, the great Graal, the Vulnagon on Rosh Hashanah he, when they, when they were blowing the shofar, he was besimcha, he was very, very happy. Um, so how do we reconcile that? The way we do so is based on a Gemoran Rosh Hashanah. The Gemoran Rosh Hashanah, Davlamet says, that on we, each day in the temple, the Levim would sing a different song that relate to that day. And the song that they sing on Yom Shishi, on the sixth day, which is Friday, is Hashem Malach Geuslavesh. That Hashem ruled and Hashem is, is clothed in glory. So um why was it only on the sixth day that we say Hashem Malach? What was significant about the sixth day to say Hashem is the king? And the answer is obvious that on the sixth day of creation, which was a Friday, that's when Adam and Chabba were created. So up until that point, everything else in the world was created. We have the the animals and the birds and the fish. They were all created up until then. But Hashem only became king of the world when human beings were created. And there's a famous vote of the Grodh of Vondagon. The Vondagon says, from the verse, the Passover says, Ki la Hashem Because to God is kingship, or Moishel, God, God rules over the nations. So the Vondagon explains, what's the difference between Melucha and uh, a Melech and a Moishel? A Melech is somebody who's chosen by the people. A Moishel a ruler is a dictator. Is somebody who's not been chosen by the people like the Taliban in Afghanistan. The vast majority of the Afghan population don't want the Taliban, but they impose their rule on the population. That's a moishel. That's a dictator. But a melech, a king, is one who is beloved and wanted by the people. The people want the king to rule over them. That's a melech. So it, it took the sixth day of creation. Only when Adam and Chava were created, um, does Hashem become the king of the world. In other words, to be a king, there has to be a creature that can choose the king. Up until that point, all the animals, as we know, animals are locked into their instinct. Animals are restricted to you know, the way they're programmed. They don't have a choice. They don't have free choice. But it took the creation of human beings, who have what we call Bechira, have free choice... In order for for them to select king, and in order for Hashem to be the king.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Sachstein on 101.9 High FM.
1: We're discussing the essence of Rosh Hashanah and understanding that Rosh Hashanah is the day, the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Chava of human beings. Rosh Hashanah is the day when a creature was created that can choose to serve the Creator. And that makes the Creator King. Kingship, according to the Torah definition, is not about being able to rule other creatures. Kingship is about creatures choosing to be ruled. And that is the theme of Rosh Hashanah. That's why on Rosh Hashanah it's Hashem Malach, the six days when Hashem ruled and became the king of the world. So our work, our voida on Rosh Hashanah is to make Hashem our king, is exercising our ability to choose Hashem as our king. And that is the simcha, that's the joy of Rosh Hashanah. So we said it seems to be, you know, out of place that we're celebrating that there's a joy in Rosh Hashanah. The real joy in Rosh Hashanah is that we are coronating Hashem as King, and to be at the coronation and a part of the coronation is a great joy, is a source of great celebration, um, and that's um, we, still, we 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 see ourselves as making that choice, and it's an interesting concept, it's an amazing concept that the Torah is teaching us. Is that little me? The, um, me, I'm a, a Yid who lives in Den Hazel And you know How can I influence or impact Upon the universe And the creator of the universe But the way that God set up the world Is he wants all of us To it's set up in a way That we were created In order to fulfill our mission Of serving Hashem as king That's how it's set up And each year we need to do that And we need to display and show that we aware of that and we participating in that, and not only are we guests at the coronation, you know, imagine being invited to. I think today's the the best way we could relate to that is we don't really have um, kings and queens in the sense. Perhaps maybe um, the royal house of England is the closest we have, but invited to the coronation of the king of the queen of of, of England. Is would be a great honor to be there, a great joy to be a part of that ceremony. But we, as Jews, we have an even greater privilege. Not only are we invited to the coronation, but we actually are the ones who are doing the coronation. We participating actively in the coronation and there's no greater joy than that. The coronation depends on us. We determine how significant and how far reaching that coronation is what we call Malchus Shemaim, the, the heavenly throne is the crown of Hashem is placed by us and we are the ones that determine how much of Hashem's kingship manifests in the world. That's an amazing and powerful thing. Ravolbi says, Ravolbi was the great mishkiach of our generation. He says that the Din, the judgment of Rosh Hashanah is how much do we choose to participate in the coronation And Hashem is waiting for that And our joy And our awareness Our cognizance And our kavona Our focus Of coronating Hashem as king on Rosh Hashanah That's actually what we're being judged on And that's why very interesting The Sforim say That on Rosh Hashanah We judged for how we are on the day By Hashir but We read about Ishmael And he was judged How he was in that moment Because on Rosh Hashanah We judged how we are in the moment and it's that's not a fast, we're not putting on an act, we're not pretending. But really it the day of Rosh Hashanah, the din of Rosh Hashanah is how much do we want to make Hashem our king? That's what we judged on. Are we doing that? The purpose for which we were created, are we participating, are we active um uh players in that in that function, in that purpose? And that's why it's interesting the throughout if you look carefully at the prayers of Rosh Hashanah So there's very little mention of asking Hashem for mercy, of Rachamim, of Hashem judging us favorably. We don't focus on that at all. There are one or two places where we mention it, but they're more like on the side. They were additions. They're not part of the main body of the prayer. They're not the actual main focus of the prayer. Because the main issue on Rosh Hashanah is the coronation of the king. And how much we choose to make Hashem our king in the depths of our hearts. And that's the work, that's the job that we're supposed to be doing on Rosh Hashanah, and that's what we're being judged for on Rosh Hashanah. And our year depends, our, our next year depends on that work we're doing on that day of Rosh Hashanah. It says we're going to read soon in Parshas, we're not we're not far from the end of the Torah. We're in Devarim, in Parshas uh, uh, Zos Sorry, is the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. The passage says VeYamas Moshe Eved Hashem, and Moshe died. The servant of Hashem. That is the greatest achievement. Uh, after all of Moshe's achievements, you know, Moshe was the most noble human being who's ever walked the face of the earth. Moshe was the one who led the Jewish people out of Egypt. Moshe went up Har Sinai to receive the Torah on behalf of the Jewish people. And out of all of his incredible achievements, It says that Moshe was the only one to see Hashem panim al panim, talk talk to Hashem directly like we talk to other people. Nobody in the history of the world has been able to do that. Everybody else is a Navi who's in some sort of mind-altered state. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest that's ever existed. And the single compliment the Torah gives him is that he's evid Hashem. He's a servant of Hashem. There's no greater level and no greater achievement to that. So that's our goal in Rosh Hashanah is to be avde Hashem is to serve Hashem. How do we become an evid Hashem? It's not an easy thing. It's a very difficult thing. How do we achieve that? We do it by coronating Hashem as king. And at least once a year, once through in the through the year, we need to be able to do that. One day a year, which is this one with Yom HaRichtah, it's a long 48 hours, one day of Rosh Hashanah, the two days of Rosh Hashanah. So we at least then are supposed to, in our hearts, Coronate God as our king God as the sovereign of the universe And that's the the mission That's the work on Rosh Hashanah It's a very human day It's a day that we use our Bechira Our free choice And decide to make Hashem our king We can say no We can choose not to coronate Hashem as, as king Which most of the world chooses to do But when we choose yes That makes Hashem king of the world. That's how Hashem set up the universe. Why and how and that's a whole nother discussion. But that's what Hashem is wanting us on this day is to exercise our bechirah, our free choice and declare Hashem as our king. Um, Otherwise, Hashem is not king because, you you know, if we don't do that, we're just a sophisticated, we're not using our free choice to serve Hashem. We're a sophisticated animal. We're an impala out in the bush. We're a zebra. We're not that which makes us human is to take that free choice and to choose to serve a being who is at the source of the universe. So that is the the work, that is the choice, and that is the job of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, please God, we should all, and that is the joy of Rosh So that's why it's a joy. On the one hand, yes, we're being judged, the have judgment. Hashem is assessing whether all of creation is fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. is fulfilling the mission that Hashem wants for creation, which is frightening. Hashem is assessing that and assessing whether we are part of that plan. Are we doing what we are supposed to do in this world? Are we fulfilling the, the the objectives that Hashem wants, that Hashem set out in creating the world? Well, if we are, then Hashem gives us another year of life and we will be able to continue to be productive in Hashem's plan. If we are not, we are no longer needed. We are no longer superfluous to Hashem's plan in the universe and we, therefore we the, we we uh, are not uh, part of Hashem's plans going forward, which is a very frightening thing. So the way we show that, yes, we are in sync with the purpose of creation is by choosing to make Hashem king. When we choose to make Hashem king, it shows that we switched on, shows that we're in touch with reality, shows that we recognize there's a creator and we want to serve that creator, at least on the days of Rosh Hashanah, we need to show that. And we're very fortunate the prayers that we say really express this very powerfully. Just to say the prayers honestly and sincerely, throughout Rosh Hashanah to Daven, and we recommend the Machsor and Oskol Machsor, which is excellent in terms of its translation and in terms of its um, footnotes at the bottom. So uh, everybody should have an Oskol Machsor, and everybody should make an effort to Daven throughout Rosh Hashanah, um, Shacharis, Mincha, and Marif, and, uh, and Musaf as well. Musaf is just the most powerful, magnificent prayer in which we express um, that we uh, we we uh, express our understanding that Hashem is the king of the world And that Hashem doesn't forget anything There's reward and punishment Hashem remembers and shofers through the shofar So we coronate Hashem as our king And we bring Hashem's light and presence into the world So it's very important that we all daven If you can go to an Orthodox synagogue We recommend it highly It's very powerful to daven in Shul and Rosh Hashanah I know people are concerned about COVID, um, and uh, but the shuls all make a great effort to ensure that it's a safe environment, and I do believe it is a safe environment to go to shul. There's social distancing, doors and windows are open, um, people are wearing their masks. The, the shuls have been very disciplined in their implementation of COVID protocols, and so it is a safe space to go, and we do remem- recommend going, make your booking at your local orthodox shul, and uh, Davin... With a sincere heart, crowning Hashem as king and emirzashem by doing so. She Shall be Zoechit Ksivakh Simatova to a year of light and of blessing and of good health and of success and of prosperity in all aspects of our lives. So I wanted to also talk a little bit a bit about the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar, and that is the really the mitzvah of the day. And the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah Yom Trua, the day of blowing of the Shofar. And why is, so, again, it's also very important, before I forget, is that you make it to shul, to hear the shofar being blown, where you arrange for somebody who knows how to blow the shofar, to come and blow the shofar for you. Um, we should be hearing a, a minimum of 30 blasts of the shofar, which is the minimum requirement, to arise the Torah requirement on the day, to hear 30 blasts of shofar, there's a takiyah, shvarim trua takiyah three times, takiyah, shvarim takiyah, tiyah takia takiyah three times each, so each of those, th- those three sets of three, um, is a total of, of 30 blasts that everybody should hear and should make an effort to fulfill the mitzvah of hearing the, the shofar on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week on Rosh Hashanah. Now, why is the shofar so important? What is so significant about the shofar? Um, we, we do say, as I've mentioned, that it's Yom Hadin, they have judgment Rosh Hashanah. And we meet with trepidation, but it's through the shoifa that we succeed in the din. That's what the Gemara says. That by blowing the shoifa brings tremendous merits to Klai Yisrael. And Hashem moves from the Kiseh of Din to the Kiseh of rachamim. It, it turns the judgment in our favor when we blow the shofar, And it fits in very much with what we're saying. We're saying that on Rosh Hashanah we are crowning Hashem as our king. And by blowing the shofar, that is the coronation. Um, it used to be in ancient times that at the coronation of a king and a queen, they would blow the trumpets. That would mark the the ceremony of the coronation. So we're blowing the shofar and we're declaring Hashem as our king. In fact, Rav Sajr he lists 10 different things of why reasons why we blow the shofar. So I want to share with you some of them, five of the 10. Don't we worry, we'll go through all 10. Share with you five of them. And then I'll share with you a beautiful idea that I heard from Rav Michal Tversky, Um, About the shofar So the shofar firstly as I mentioned Is that we're coronating Hashem as king um, Which is the theme and the focus And the mission on the day of Rosh Hashanah The shofar also Is a very strong association And connection To Avram Avinu To Abraham our forefather And the Akedah of Yitzchak We know that Hashem instructed Abraham To bring his son Isaac Up on the Mizbeach To sacrifice him And uh, that was the complete antithesis of anything that Abraham understood about Hashem. Abraham, Abraham searched for Hashem, able to relationship with Hashem. And this was now a complete contradiction to that. Yet Abraham put his intellect aside and fulfilled the commandment of Hashem. And before he could do so, Hashem stops him and says, I never intended for you to sacrifice the son. This was just a test to see how sincere you are and how far your commitment goes. Um, But instead of sacrificing Isaac, sacrifice the ram over there that's caught by its horns in the thicket. And we then blow the horn of the ram, the shofar, to associate ourselves with that act of the Akedah. To associate ourselves with Abram Avinu and his tremendous dedication and loyalty and emunah and trust, bitachon, trust in Hashem. And we say, you know what, that's our great-great-grandfather. This is cosmic name-dropping. We are descendants of that individual, Abraham. And therefore, may the schus of Abraham's commitment and may the merit of his dedication be a credit to us. We are connecting ourselves to him, which brings us great favor in the din of Rosh Hashanah. So that's the one aspect. But we've said blowing the shofar is coronating Hashem as king. Blowing the shofar also connects us to the It also... um shows that we want to associate ourselves with Abraham and with his great commitment to Hashem. The shofar was also blown at Matan Torah. When the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai, it was with the sounds of the shofar. And we are also connecting ourselves to Matan Torah. We're showing Hashem that we are your servants, Hashem. You are our king. And we received your commandments at Mount Sinai with the shofar. We're blowing the shofar again to declare our allegiance and our commitment to your Torah. Just as on the day it was given with the shofar, we co- we commit ourselves to the Torah with the shofar today, this day of our judgment, the new beginning of the year, the recreation of the world, and we are aware that we are your servants and we serve you through the Torah that you gave us on Mount Sinai with the blowing of the shofar. We also, uh, the shofar is also making reference to Mashiach, to the redemption. We know our sages teach us that when Mashiach comes, when the Jewish people um, merit to to see the final redemption, it would be will be with the shofar. In fact, they tell us that the other horn of the isle of that ram of of Abraham of the Akedah will be used to blow the shofar when Mashiach comes. So that will be um, something that that we're making reference to that too, that we understand and realize that this world is a process. This world is heading in a certain direction. This world has a meaning and a function. And the conclusion of this whole exercise will be the coming of Mashiach, we'll blow the shofar again. So the blowing of the shofar now and Rosh Hashanah shows we're aware of the purpose of the world, of the direction in which the world's going to, and the ultimate destination will be the redemption and Hashem's revealing His power and His glory and His omnipotence to the world with the shofar, with Mashiach. Okay? And there's one, there's a fifth reference of the shofar, which is also significant and important, that comes from the Rambam. Rambam says that when we blow the shofar, so it is a wake-up call. Uru yusheni Awaken, you sleepers, from your sleep, from your slumber. Awaken into, jolt yourselves into this new reality and see Hashem and see the purpose of life and see the gift of the few years we have in this world and realize that there is a meaning and purpose And function to the universe and you have a responsibility and a role in that universe. So that's the fifth aspect of the shofar that we are uh, aware of when we bring the shofar. It's waking us up to a spirituality. It's our spiritual alarm clock. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment and continue with the great symbolism of the shofar.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM.
1: We're talking about the shofar Rosh Hashanah. We've, we've discussed five different reasons why we blow the shofar. Um, there's one last reason why we blow it that I would like to share with you. I think it's such a beautiful idea. And also very powerful. So the, 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 first five are very significant and have tremendous depth and power. They really pack a punch, all five of them. And we're cognizant and aware of them when we bring the shofar, the Yakeda, Matan and Torah, sealing the Torah. Um, the, the, it's the same shofar we're blowing when Mashiach comes. We're coronating the king and shofar are our wake up call. So all of those are, are, are powerful and significant. There's one more reason that I heard, which I think is worth sharing with you. I heard it from Rabbi Michael Twersky. He's a brother in Milwaukee in America. Actually, the brother of Rabbi Abram Twersky, the famous psychiatrist and author um, who passed away recently. Rabbi Twersky says that when we blow the shofar, there's always a takia before and a takia after. So as you know, each of the blasts of the shofar, whatever's in the middle, is preceded and followed by a takia. The takia is the long, flat sound. And then there's a crying in the middle. It's called a yavava. The Gemara calls it yavava, which is a crying. There are two types of crying. There's the crying with the, the longer, the, the, the longer wails, and the crying with a short staccato, like hysterical wails. Those are two types of ways we cry, and that's called the, the truer. So um the, the, the takia is the long short sound, always beginning and the end, and you've got your true in the middle. The truer sometimes is a foreign, sometimes is a truer. As we know, and that's why we blow the, the three sets of 30 blasts. Now, um, the takia in the beginning, the takia in the end re- represents the sound of triumph. It's a sound of comfort, it's a sound of victory, it's a sound of triumph. And it is, that sound of triumph sandwiches the crying in the middle. And that crying in the middle represents a disconnection. A dislocation, a a insecurity. What is it representing? It re- represents the soul, the soul that comes t- into this world. So we have the takia before, the comforting sound before, because before the soul comes into this world, the souls in the world of Nishum, is the world of souls, and that world of souls is a pristine place. And if a person's achieved what they're supposed to, they have a place that's close to Hashem. And the soul is then forced to come down into this world. It doesn't want to. It is reluctant to leave the euphoria and the utopia and the ecstasy of the world of souls. And it's torn away from Hashem and sent down into this world, into this body. And when the soul comes down into this world, into this body, it comes head first. Literally, when a baby's born, it's the head that's first. And otherwise, unless the baby's breached, which is rare and which is dangerous, usually the baby comes into this world Head first. That's symbolic because it symbolizes that we are entering into this world and we're supposed to use our head, we're supposed to use our sechel, we're supposed to use our intellect in order to choose what we do in this world, choose to serve Hashem and coronate Hashem as king, choose to live responsible lives or choose to ignore the soul and just be sophisticated animals. And when we come into this world, when the soul comes into this world, it's a great trauma for the soul. It's, it's, and the chauffeur, the cry of the chauffeur, represents the cry of the newborn baby. When a newborn baby cries, so sometimes it's crying for food, and sometimes it's crying because it's cold, sometimes it's crying because it needs to be changed. But the primary cry of the baby is a cry for comfort, is a cry that it's scared, and that it's lost, and that it's alone and that it's in the strange environment and the strange world. And that's the cry of the shofar. It's a cry out from the depth of the soul. And the way the shofar is blown is with the breath. The breath of a human being goes into the shofar and it makes that sound. The breath is the The breath is the that which uh, Hashem breathed into Adam on that first day of creation, whose anniversary it is on Rosh Hashanah. That's when the breath Of a human being was breathed in. And so on Rosh Hashanah it's the birth of the soul. It's the anniversary of the birth of the soul. And that soul lets out a cry. A very deep, sincere, primordial cry. That it's lost. And that it's dislocated. And that it's in a strange environment. That it wants to connect with Hashem. And we end off the shofar with a takia. Which is another long flat sound. It's the sound of triumph and of comfort. That if we, if the soul searches and if the soul longs for Hashem, so Hashem will comfort that soul and Hashem will hold that soul and Hashem will guide and support and assist that soul. So that's the final symbolism of the Shofa is it's the cry of the newborn. It's a cry from the depth of our being to Hashem to help us and to guide us and to lead us and to help us achieve meaning and purpose. ...and function and substance in our life and in the world. And altogether, all six of those reasons that we've mentioned at the shofa, they all mix in together to make a very powerful combination. And that powerful combination is the best thing we could do on Yom Adin, is the most effective thing we could do on our day of judgment. And that, by doing so with sincerity and with um, emotion and with commitment and passion... So that turns the din in our favor. Which is a, it's not easy to do. That. It's not easy to have all of these um ideas and intentions that we've mentioned, but nonetheless it is it has the great power to shift the judgment in our favor and to ensure that we mm-hmm. Hashem, all have a positive and wonderful new year.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM.
1: We're talking about Rosh Hashanah, about the significance of day, choosing, using our ability to choose and crowning Hashem as king. And the shofar is the means by which we do that. And it's a very powerful and a significant tool that we all should list by listening to the shofar it Does a tremendous amount in the upper worlds Does a tremendous amount for our soul And therefore we should all make a great effort to ensure That we fulfill our Torah obligation To listen to the to the shofar on Tuesday and on Wednesday of next week just want to end off talking a little bit about The great and holy Rav Yisrael Meir Kagan Hakohen The Chofetz Chaim Today is the 24th of Elul And it is the yacht site of the Chofetz Chaim Chovetz Chaim was born in 1838, and he died in the year 1933 at the age of 95. And he was an individual who changed the world, whose impact on the Jewish world was so dramatic and so far-reaching that we still feel the aftermath of the Chovetz Chaim's light um, to this day. The Chovetz Chaim was a prolific author. He wrote 20 different sforim. Um, his magnus opus was the Mishnah Bura. It took him 25 years to complete the Mishnah Bura. And um, it is the the accepted, universally accepted, as the um, definitive guide to Jewish law. Uh, it's a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. So, of course, Shulchan Aruch is, is the is the code of Jewish law. The Mishnah Bura explains and fills in and gives us all the details we need to know um, in Ashkenazi Jewry with regards to the halacha that we need to follow. And so the Mishnah Baruah is a work of great genius and a work of a tremendous contribution. I don't know where the Jewish world would be today without the Mishnah Baruah, without the Chovetz Chaim. And uh, in fact, uh, there's a wonderful program called the Dirshu Daf Yom Barlochah program. It's a worldwide program um, in which uh, many thousands of Jews around the world are learning the same page of Mishnah Baruah every day. And uh, it's a, 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 a program sponsored by an organization called Shu. And in our shul, we, we do that every day after the shakhris. We have a shiur in Mishnah Bura. I record it and send it out to many, many, over a 100 people. And um, it's a wonderful program. It uh, teaches you the basic overview of halacha, of what we're supposed to be doing as Jews. It is the work of the Chovetz Chaim, the great classic work of the Chovetz Chaim. He also wrote the famous um, sefer, the famous book, which talks about the dangers of Losh and Hora. And the destructive force that lashon hora is, he dedicated his life to teaching Klai Israel, the Jewish people, about the importance of not speaking lashon hora, of having self-control, of controlling one's tongue, and uh, the work the Chovetz Chaim uh, brought to the attention of Klai Israel the importance of this. Obviously, it's always been something that the Torah says very clearly we have to follow. Chovetz Chaim brought it out and and made it a, 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 a matter which became a lot better observed and known within the Jewish world um, through his tremendous efforts and attempts to try and and implore the Jewish people to control their tongues and to withhold from speaking in a negative way, harmful negative speech. Um, The Chavetz Chaim, he really is the example to the world of the Torah values of humility, of piety, of devotion to God, of living a life um, of service of Hashem and of the Jewish people. And through, he, he just didn't want to be bothered or, you know, or, or be, um, have to deal with with uh, major issues, but he, he, through his righteousness and his greatness and his um, tremendous uh, knowledge of Torah law, so the Jewish world handed the of Chaim and knew that this was the person, the most pious person in the world. And uh, he's, not only known for his great intellect and his tremendous Torah knowledge and his great Kabbalistic wisdom, he was very well versed in the world of Kabbalah, but also the Chovetz Chaim um, was known for his midas, for his behavior, for the way he treated other people, for the way he conducted himself, for his gentle, kind, compassionate nature. So his sterling example will continue to live on within the Jewish people through the works that he's wrote, and through the example that he was. And uh, he's Nesham Shtevna on this day is your side, the 24th of Elul. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to take the opportunity to wish all of our listeners a year that's filled with Hashem's blessings of light, of good health, of prosperity, and of success, bo- both in the realms of ruchnias of spirituality, and in the realms of Gashmias of material existence. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.